the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We ask and answer questions about God and the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about worldviews, about world religions. We talk about, well, the past, which is history. And we talk about the future, which is prophecy. If you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935. That's 303-873-1935. And friendly producer Leroy, welcome to the program, Leroy. (laughs) We'll take your calls. It's 303-873-1935. He'll ask you what your question is, and we will make every effort to get your question on the program, 303-873-1935. You know, we've got a little bit of a breaking news story, but there's a couple of things I want to be able to talk about, including the 49th Annual March for Life um, in Washington, D.C. Many, many people are hoping and praying that this is the last annual march in the hopes that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, but Even if it is, in fact, overturned, does that mean that abortion will cease and desist in the United States of America? The answer is probably no. But in breaking news, there's a United States judge that has blocked the current president's federal employee COVID vaccine mandate. Several different news outlets are reporting that a judge in Texas ruled today that President Joe Biden could not require federal employees to be vaccinated against the coronavirus and then blocked the United States government from disciplining employees who failed to comply. So it's the latest setback to the White House's efforts to require various groups of Americans to get vaccinated The president had issued an order requiring about 3.5 million government workers to get vaccinated by November 22nd, barring religious or medical accommodations or or else face discipline or face losing their job. And United States District Judge Jeffrey Brown said the question was whether Biden could, quote, require millions of federal employees to undergo a medical procedure as a condition of employment that under the the current state of the law, as just recently expressed by the Supreme Court, that this is perhaps a bridge too far. And Judge Jeffrey Brown is based in Galveston, Texas. He was appointed um, by Biden's predecessor, President Donald Trump. Um, and said the government could protect public health with less invasive measures like masking and social distancing. And so the judge's ruling is the latest 
in a series of court decisions to go against the government's vaccine requirements. And by the way, the White House has openly reported that more than 93% of the federal employees have received at least one vaccination and 98% have been vaccinated or seeking a religious or medical exemption. And so uh, the White House spokesperson, Jen Sake, said that we are confident in our legal authority, but again, um, that's going to be challenged. So 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. Got all lines open. Happy, happy to take your call. And um, we're talking about um, this 49th annual March for Life. And as of today, um it was the Supreme Court basically um, ruled in, in a decision that literally changed the face of America and abortion in America. And of course, today, and I was trying to look up the numbers, and I thought I had an accurate count, but I think I found it. This, according to Christian headlines, and um, it's posted by Christian headlines contributor Michael Faust. The number sixty three million four hundred and fifty nine thousand seven hundred and eighty one abortions since Roe v. Wade. And of course, the prayer. This is the last. So 63 plus million. Now, the statistic is based on data from pro-choice, not pro-life, pro-choice Guttmacher Institute, which contacts abortion clinics directly for the number. And National Right to Life, using the Guttmacher statistics, said that there were 63 million plus abortions. The highest number of abortions took place in 1990. At that point, it was estimated over 1.6 million abortions took place. The number declined until 2021 when the United States experienced 886,677 abortions. And so each January, pro-lifers gather in Washington, D.C. for this annual um, March for Life to stand up for the unborn. The United States Supreme Court is considering a case called Dobbs v. Jackson that could lead to the limiting, undermining, or overturning of Roe v. Wade. The case itself involves only a single law, and that is a second trimester abortion ban in Mississippi. But Mississippi and others are asking the court to literally overturn the landmark case. The law bans abortions after 15 weeks. And so, again, this year's March for Life was held today. Lila Rose, who's the president and founder of Live Action, said the essential that pro-life support not only uh, the unborn, but the mothers need support. In Live Action, she said, quote, today, for almost 50 years, 
advocates in defense of our basic human right to be born and live have marched to the Supreme Court, making it clear that the continued intentional killing of our youngest citizens is unconscionable and must stop. She said, live action and our advocates will be out in full force. Now, one of the tragic situations that we face in this whole conversation is that the first march, second march, 10th march, 20th march, 30th march, 40th march, and then 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 million plus people gone. It's hard for us to imagine what that means. Sometimes those numbers get away from us. The way that I think about it is if you take the states in the United States uh, and the population and you compare it in relationship to abortion and you ask and you answer the question, if we were to take... um, the number of states and their population, what would that basically look like? That means everybody who lives in the state of Colorado, gone. Everybody living in North and South Dakota, gone. Everybody in Montana, Idaho, Washington, gone. New Mexico, gone. And we haven't even made it to a third of the abortion population. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. And um, we were talking a little bit about, um, again, right to life. But also today, um, there's a number of organizations that have basically called on a boycott of the Chinese Olympics. And many of these are uh, because of what's happening both to Christians and a group called the Uyghurs. Uh, You've probably heard that name in the news. And, And so when we ask and we answer the question, well, who are the Uyghurs and why is China being accused of genocide? And the answer, of course, is that particular group of people, um, according to some estimates, more than a million Uyghurs have been possibly incarcerated into re-education camps and possibly even killed. Now, again, this sounds alarming, but it it comes from BBC.com. The Uyghurs are the largest minority ethnic group in China's northwestern uh, province of Xinjiang. And so uh, human rights groups believe that China has detained more than a million Uyghurs against their will over the past few years in a large network of what the state calls, yeah, you guessed it, it's not a uh, a novel way of thinking about it. They, they call them re-education camps. And they've sentenced hundreds of thousands of people to prison terms. And there's also evidence, <coughs> excuse me, that the Uyghurs are being used as forced labor and of women being forcibly sterilized. And some former camp detainees have also alleged that they were tortured and sexually abused. 
The United States is among several countries to have accused China of committing genocide. And the leading human rights groups Amnesty and Human Rights Watch have published reports accusing China of crimes against humanity. So who are these people? There's about 12 million Uyghurs, mostly Muslim, living in Xinjiang, which is officially known as the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. They, they speak their own language, which is similar to the Turkish language, and they see themselves culturally and ethnically aligned with or related to Central Asian nations. And so um, in recent decades, we've seen a mass migration of Han Chinese. These are Chinese, the ethnic majority, into the region, allegedly to orchestrate the dilution of the minority population there. Now, so when the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics were set to take place next month, religious Freedom advocacy groups and organizations are urging Christians to boycott the event over China's persecution of Christians and other religious minorities. And so on Wednesday, the Religious Persecution Watchdog Group, who I quoted extensively throughout this week from Open Doors, released its annual World Watch list of the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And during the press conference at the list's unveiling, David Curry, who is the CEO of of Open Doors, addressed the Chinese Communist Party's persecution of Christians and other religious minorities, including the Uyghur Muslims, who um, reportedly are subject to, to forced labor. Now, again, Earlier, um, one of the co-owners of an NBA franchise was asked the question about the Chinese boycott, and he just fundamentally said, nobody cares about the Uyghurs. Now, what's interesting about that statement is I would take it at face value. Number one, I would ask and answer the question when he says, nobody cares about the Uyghurs. I would say, no, there seems to be a number of people who care about the Uyghurs. So when he was asked personally, do you care? And he says it's way down low on the list of things that would motivate him to do or refrain from doing anything. Now, that is interesting because I would just simply take take him at his word. Number one, I would take him at his word that he believes that the oppression, isolation, and concentration camps are no big deal. Now, this seems to be a problem, a growing problem in our country, where more and more people are saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to entertain a socialist or a, total, or a totalitarian government system. Well, you know what? I'm not willing to entertain a totalitarian or socialist or dictatorship group. So according to the Christian Post, David Curry called for a boycott on the upcoming Winter Games because it is, according to his words, quote, one example of how China uses sports money and investment in infrastructure around the world to whitewash their human rights violations. 
He said, quote, Open Doors USA is calling on every Christian to join this boycott of the, the Olympics in the name of our persecuted brothers and sisters in China. Now, again, he stressed clarifying that the boycott meant not watching the Winter Olympics. Curry also explained why China, which on that list of 50 of the most egregious countries where it is most difficult to be a Christian and has been put on a world watch list, isn't ranked higher this year. He said, what's not happening and why it is lower is because they're not lining people up and shooting them at least that we're aware of, he said. But it's happening in some places. And as you can imagine, on that world watch list for the first time in many years, North Korea has been knocked off the list as number one and has gone down to number two. Afghanistan being the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. So one example of persecution in the country includes the government's use of, quote, centralized government control to express, suppress, and exterminate the free practice of religion of all kinds, not just Christian religion. Additionally, the Chinese Communist Party uses, quote, a blanket of surveillance monitored by artificial intelligence to watch the movements of people of faith. It's even using a facial recognition program to monitor people who approach churches, who enter churches, and who exit churches. He said, quote, China recently implemented additional restrictions on Christian Bibles and literature online, for example. Only groups that recognize the Communist Party of China and their censorship of sermons and Bibles will be allowed to distribute the scripture, according to Curry. Now, this is interesting, again, in light of what's going on in our own country. YouTube, has there been a wholesale uh, repression, suppression, and refusal to um, to produce, or not produce, but rather allow certain sermons to be taught. Well, guess what? <laughs> John MacArthur, one of the, the most famous Bible teachers in America, had his sermon expunged because it didn't comply with YouTube's political correctness, and he was accused of hate speech. Meanwhile, at Voice of the Martyrs, an international organization devoted to protecting human rights of persecuted Christians, they've launched a prayer campaign urging Christians worldwide to pray for Chinese believers during the Beijing Olympics, asking, answering the question, how can we pray? How can we support the, our brethren? This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. Again, 303-873-1935. And... Uh, 
you know, obviously over uh, the last couple of days, we've been talking a whole lot about this issue of uh, persecution. And um, I've been a friend of Voice of the Martyrs for many, many years, and they've basically devoted their ministry to informing us about persecuted Christians and um, and what's going on as as far as persecution is is concerned, and so again we we understand that suffering persecution we we know what that means it it, it means being mistreated by others because you're a true disciple of the Lord Jesus, and and some of that includes being falsely accused or unjustly condemned or imprisoned or ridicule or scorn or rejection or injury. And if you're experiencing those kinds of things, you're joining a long group of people who, um, who've experienced persecution. So 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Um, Let's see who's up. Lonnie, welcome to the program. Hi, Gina. This is Lonnie. Hi. I'm a long-time listener. And um, the phone call you got yesterday from the parent of the two boys who thought they were transgender. Correct. I thought you gave really sound advice. I'd just like to add a little something to that, if I may. Okay. I have been encouraged in my walk with Christ to pray the scriptures, especially over family members. Uh-huh. And one of the scriptures that I loved, one of my go-tos, is Acts twenty-six eighteen, And it says, open their eyes, deliver them from the power of Satan and the, the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom and the kingdom of light, so that they may enjoy forgiveness of sins and fellowship of the saints. And that is so good. That is so good, because that scripture and your prayer is exactly the problem. As I indicated yesterday, although they, her children are suffering, if you want to use that term, and they're living in, we live in a world that's broken, the big problem isn't just the sexual aberration. It right. is, it's the disconnect from the mind and the heart, the grace and the mercy and the salvation that's found in Jesus and what your prayer is. Right. They're blinded. Their heart, right. they, they are, they are, they've been taken captive by the enemy. Yes. And, and, you know, again, when I think of first Corinthians chapter six, verse 11, it, it's that passage that follows the condemnation of, of, of sexual aberration. And then it mm-hmm. says, and that is what some of you were, mm-hmm. but you were washed, you're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And so thank you for that, because there is hope for everyone, including transsexuals, transgenders, those who identify with a gender identity disorder, transvestites. And so if, if we're asking and we're answering the question, well, do you believe with all of your heart that people who are suffering and confused that they are outside of God's forgiveness in Christ. 
Right. Our immediate answer is, of course not. That's exact. That's exactly the opposite of what we believe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And to add to that, there's Colossians one thirteen and Ephesians one eighteen, and Second Timothy two twenty three and Titus three nine. Wow. All five of those scriptures, I would be praying over my boys. Wow. Well, thank you, Lonnie. You're welcome. This I wanted is, to call in yesterday, but it was at the end of the broadcast. Yeah, so. we were literally, <laughs> literally at the end. But thanks for calling in now. My pleasure. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. You know, the Bible actually... Um, doesn't explicitly talk, quote unquote, about transgenderism. And by the way, the the phone number is three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. And clearly, the Bible doesn't actually address the issue of someone having transgender feelings. However, the Bible has plenty, plenty to say about human sexuality. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about that this week at. Um, Candlelight Fellowship in Longmont, Colorado. Most basic to our understanding of gender is, again, that God created two and only two genders, male and female, the Bible says he created them in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And of course, Bible teacher John MacArthur received a great deal of heat this last weekend because he literally taught Genesis chapter one, verse 27 from his pulpit. He literally said that this is a biological reality, that there's an XX chromosome and an XY chromosome. There's no third chromosome. And our friends at YouTube deemed that that was hate speech, that it was hateful to say According to the Bible, God created two genders, male and female. But according to the Bible, all modern-day speculation about numerous genders or gender, what's been called gender fluidity, or even a gender continuum with unlimited genders, that concept is foreign to the Bible. Now, People will argue, well, the Bible isn't the source of truth when it comes to um, self-awareness. But again, that's not true. The Bible claims to be a document that communicates things in a truthful way. So the closest thing that the Bible comes to mentioning transgenderism is in its condemnation of homosexuality. What some people have called the clobber verses, like Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32, or 1 Corinthians chapter um, 6 through 10, where it says, don't or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, or greedy, or drunkards, or revilers, or swindlers. And so that word 
homosexual in that circumstance literally means effeminate men. Uh, and, and so there is, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, where it literally reads, um, men, don't be deceived, the sexually immoral idolaters who practice homosexuality literally means effeminate men. And so even though it doesn't mention transgenderism, in other instances, it 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 talks about confusion in the sense that it is identified not as confusion, but as sin. So what about the possibility that those suffering with transgenderism have a brain that functions as one gender while the rest of the body is biologically the other gender? The Bible doesn't even hint at such a possibility. However, neither does the Bible mention that phenomenon called hermaphrodism, which is a condition in which a person has both male and female sexual organs, which is another question and another issue, which I'm happy to talk about and at least provide some sort of answer to. So whether it's genetic, hormonal, physiological, psychological, here's the point. There is a way to honor God, submit to God, and believe in God, even in those circumstances. This is Gina Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gina Geraci, inviting you to call 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Happy to take your calls about God, about the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about worldviews, world religions. And, of course, there's this reoccurring... Um, questions that people have about life and love and and what does the Bible say, again, about the most important questions. And of course, one of the questions I frequently get asked is, can a person be born with the wrong gender? And so when people are using um, statements like, um, the gender as assigned at birth. In other words, if you're biologically born a male or you're biologically born a female. And, and according to the Bible, we live in a confused and fallen world. And that that confusion extends everywhere to even that most basic question, what gender am I? So you can imagine what might seem to be a relatively easy question to ask and answer for some becomes a very difficult question. 303-873-1935. Some people claim that they were, quote unquote, born as the wrong gender, or at least in the wrong body. That a man can, in fact, believe he's actually a female, but that his soul is stuck in a male body. Now, again, those claims receive some support and encouragement from people who advocate for a gender-neutral society. But those who view gender distinctions as nothing more than arbitrary labels or a box to be broken out of, what they must of necessity do is reject the revelation that's been given by God in creation. 
In other words, the Bible isn't being mean-spirited when it says God created the male and female. It was never intended to be hate speech. And you would even think when it was written thousands of years ago that it would become controversial speech. But fundamental to our understanding of human sexuality is that God created two and only two genders. Now, currently, we live in a culture, we live in a society that has a growing belief that gender is a social construct. Now, when we use that expression, a social construct, we might be wondering, what what do you mean? Uh, In other words, there's a growing group of people who say, no, you made that up. In other words, you there that when a person is born mechanically biologically that there's just some sort of social construct that makes one person male or another person female or or both or neither that in some sense that it has nothing to do with biological sex that is sex based on physicality but here's the challenge the bible doesn't make that kind of distinction And the reason why this becomes so important is because the Bible cuts through that kind of philosophic, cultural confusion. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, male and female. He created them. So all the modern-day speculation about multiple genders or even a gender continuum with unlimited genders. This is not a biblical concept. This is unbiblical. And so an individual may claim to be transgender. They may claim to be gender fluid. But does that nullify God's design and purpose in creating him or her? Now, again, it might seem mean-spirited if a person claims to be Jesus or claims to be Napoleon or claims to be fill-in-the-blank with whatever um, person you want to fill-in-the-blank with. Remember, we used to talk about the fact that people who made certain claims and that those claims were testable, that we would treat a person with a psychiatric disorder if they had mental or emotional distress. We would all laugh watching, well, MASH when Klinger dresses up as a girl to get out of the army. But we all understood, everybody in the audience understood that Klinger didn't really believe he was a woman. He, he was doing this in order to get out of the army. When other People on television would cross-dress. We thought that perhaps it might be for entertainment. But then we understood that in our culture and our society, there was a growing group of people who stood firm in their rebellion and resistance against God. It makes perfect sense to me that children growing up in a confused world are bombarded with messages that are confusing. Imagine watching television from a very early age and then going to a government school and being indoctrinated to believe that little boys aren't 
little boys and girls aren't really little girls. And whatever they feel about themselves or believe about themselves, that's what's true. And see, this is this isn't just a cultural problem. It becomes a philosophical underlying issue, which asks and answer the question, does your mind, does your brain, does your awareness, is that what cre- creates reality? What is, is there such a thing as reality or do you sort of create your own reality but then again, for people who who believe the Bible, they're asking and answering the question, does the Bible actually reflect reality? And so the confusion and ambiguity are reinforced in a number of different ways. Gender-neutral school days, the banning of a term like boys and girls in a classroom— the proliferation of unisex restrooms, curricula that promotes homosexual marriage and sexual expression with no prohibitions or restrictions. So it's little wonder that some people are growing up and they're struggling with their sexual identity. But the Lord warned, the Lord warned in in a pretty draconian way against leading children astray. In Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, Jesus told his disciples, he says, you know, there are things that cause people to stumble, and they're bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble, unquote. This is Jesus' harsh words. Basically, I'm going to suggest to you, in part, that stumbling means misrepresenting God, misrepresenting God's love, misrepresenting God's heart, misrepresenting God's revelation. So some people today state that they, well, they felt like the opposite gender since they were children. But how would they know that? What are they comparing their feelings to? How many people feel or or how people feel is all they know for each person, how he feels is normal for them. Any comparisons to other people's feelings would only be an assumption. Some people may become convinced that they, they felt like the opposite gender at some point in their lives. But what do they have as a baseline in order to compare those feelings? Is the baseline, well, I used to feel like a boy, but now I feel like a girl. I I used to feel like a girl, but now I feel like a boy. Hey, huge. 303-873-1935. That's my number. If you'd like to join me on the program, we'd love to hear from you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.